the seeker small groups give you a chance of a format to develop relationships with the people that you evangelize, that you speak with. You can have a two minute conversation on the street and then off they go. And it's like, well, what if we want to keep them around? What can we do? And that's just an offering of a place. Come on Wednesdays. We're going to have sandwiches. Just come by and we're just going to sit and chat. And then we give the team leader a curriculum if they want to use it. Um, but it's mostly just to kind of keep, to build that, build that community. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Beth, for always uh, stressing that with me, because I know that you knew that I was kind of struggling with, should we stick to a plan? <laughs> and once you gave me permission to build the relationships and just let it flow organically, naturally, I think they were more effective. Welcome to Stories from the Street. I'm Brian. Thanks for joining us today. In this podcast, we interview Martha Beasley. Martha is a team leader in Las Cruces, New Mexico. She first heard about St. Paul Street Evangelization when she read Catholic Street Evangelization by Steve Dawson in 2015 and was instantly drawn to the idea of doing street evangelization. She started her own team last summer and brought a Catholic presence to the local's farmer's market there in Las Cruces. Her team invites those they meet to join them for seeker small group sessions to learn the basics of the Catholic faith. In this podcast, my colleagues Beth and Bob speak with Martha about her journey to becoming a team leader and dive into the details about how she built a strong team and her experience running seeker small groups for those they meet on the street. So Martha, let's just start with what is it like to be a team leader? How'd you get started? Tell me about the team and, and, and getting started. Okay. Well, um, as I shared with you earlier, read the book and um, just was fascinated by, I think, more fascinated, not so much with the process of how the evangelization formed, but by the founder, Steve Dawson's uh, own personal uh, story reminded me a lot of the uh, conversion story of Father Donald Calloway. Oh, yes, yes. A lot of similarities, a lot of similarities there. And so, you know, I, I'm just always fascinated by how God works in situations that you think there's no hope. <laughs> but he does, you know, and he, he can make all things good in you again. And so I think I was very drawn to his own personal testimony, and then um, just took it from there. I was very, I was intrigued by the fact that they handed out rosaries and miraculous medals um, and thought that would have been the last thing I would have, I would have chosen to offer somebody to talk to them, start a conversation about the faith. Um, so that's how it started. I read that book probably four years ago. And um, when I started working for the cathedral three years ago, uh, evangelization was a priority for my pastor and putting in place um, a very effective evangelization ministry there. Now, had, and, you, had, had you had any experience in a evangelization before this or? You know, yes, I, we started a 40 days for life team here in Las Cruces when uh, an abortion clinic opened up in 2014. And so um, I also was part of a sidewalk advocate ministry outside of the abortion mill. And so, you know, you have to talk to people. 
<laughs> to try to stop them from going into the abortion clinic. And because of the where the abortion clinic was situated, you didn't really know who was going in for an abortion or was going into the other business that was alongside of it. And so we just made it a habit. We didn't prejudge who was going in for an abortion and who wasn't. We just stopped everybody. And so I did, I did have some um, experience in, in talking to people about, you know, the faith and uh, saving babies and how could we help the mother, you know, what was she up against that we could help her get through. Yeah, so I had some experience, yeah. It was kind of a natural bridge from that, uh, from the 40 days and, and such to street evangelization. Right, yeah. Well, that's great. Now, tell me a little bit about how big is your team and, and you, you're at a, a farmer's market, right? We go to, um, we get a free space at the local farmer's market once a month. And so we chose the last Saturday of the month um, they don't allow nonprofits to rent a space every week, but you know, they do allow nonprofits and community groups to have a space once a month. So we took it. And uh, so we go, our team is about 18 that we rotate out in two shifts. Uh, we have to be there when everybody sets up at 7.30. We can't leave before the market's done at 1.30. So um, we had enough people to be able and schedule people for three hour shifts wow. on that Saturday. So um, that's what we do. We schedule, wow. we schedule yeah. people three hour shift. 18. That's a lot. I know we have some team leaders that are finding it's not so easy to get people on their team. So how did you go about recruiting that many people? How'd you get so many people? Well, most of them came from the basic evangelization training that mm. we hosted last June. And, uh, you know, we just went from there. And, you know, I will tell you that my pastor is a very hands-on person with this ministry and people respond to him, mm. you know, so he helped me recruit people as well. Oh. So uh, an invitation, an invitation from the pastor? An invitation from the pastor to me is the secret to be yeah. honest with you. that that means a lot it does and my husband um he uses father bill as well with the knights of columbus he said you know if i make a call sometimes it's good but when father bill makes a call it's always good <laughs> i think part of that is because it when the priest asks you it gives you permission to do it and it also i think gives you the confidence that the, the pastor thinks i can you know, right. so if, if you if you have your own doubts, I'm, I'm not I can't do that. But the pastor says, yeah, no. Yeah, he's very, uh, very well respected. And so um, I'm just very grateful for his support for this ministry for us here at the cathedral. Yeah, that is a blessing. Now, I know you you started using our seeker small groups. Um, yes. To bring. Like after you talk to somebody and they're interested in, in doing something, where do you go from there? And that's what we use our seeker small groups for, right? That's correct. Yes. And we have had um, one person from the farmer's market venue that we met that had come to seeker small groups just one time. But in January or February, I can't remember, somebody tapped me on the shoulder when I was selling tickets for an enchilada dinner. 
And I turned around and she said, do you remember me? And I said, I do remember you. You came to Seeker Small Group. And she said, yeah, I just thought I'd try. I think she was a fallen away Catholic. She had left the church and, and was looking at other denominations. But at Seeker Small Groups, um, I felt like she was a little defensive. And so we, we just kept welcoming her back, just keep coming back. Well, she never came back to the Seeker Small Group, but she started coming to Mass. Okay. And so I talked to her probably for two weekends before uh, the public Masses were suspended. And so I haven't seen her. Um, there was another woman that came to our first session of Seeker Small Groups. And she called me this week and we prayed together on the phone for some of her needs. And uh, so, you know, it's like those... I don't know, I used to say at the abortion clinic when, when a woman would decide to leave the clinic that God threw us a bone that day, you know, <laughs> gave us something to hang on to, you know, that, that it's okay, you're, it's my time, not yours, you know, yeah. and I'll, and I'll bring them to me when it's in my time. So you have 18 team members. Now, do they have, do you have some that have different roles than others, or how does that work? You know, we do. Some of those people help us with the Seeker Small Groups, and they helped us put together the Seeker Small Groups. Um, like we supplemented some of the information that we got from your all's curriculum. And so they helped us put some stuff together. Um, most of them go out when we evangelize, or they've helped us. We've done like a parish day after all the masses and we had a table and so they're comfortable talking to people after all the masses um yeah so i guess i don't know if i answered your question no you did yeah <laughs> I, some people when they're looking at joining an evangelization team they'll have all kinds of reasons why they don't fit the mark like i'm not outgoing or i don't have a degree in theology or i don't there's always a reason right but you have you have this great team, and I'm sure not everybody has a, a theology degree and is all these things. It, it takes all different kinds of people. It does, and and you know we have a I think a very good variety of backgrounds that go out to um, the sidewalk. I think or go out to the farmers market. I think I shared with you some of those backgrounds: um, physical therapists, engineers for NASA. We have uh, people that, you know, I used to be, before I worked for the church, I used to work for law firms as a legal assistant. We have um, doctors, physicians, assistants, um, people that write books. You just, we have somebody that works in the healthcare industry in a, as a nursing home administrator, and he's also going to be ordained as a deacon oh. next month. So, uh, it's you nice know. Deacon on your it, team. It's nice to have people like that, right? <laughs> yeah, some people just want to pray. Some people want to be hospitable and bring, you know, waters and stuff. Other people want to, you know, get into like, you know, proclaiming the gospel. So it takes all kinds. Sure, that's that's good. It does take all kinds, and I, I'm I'm learning along with them. You know what it means to be an evangelist for St. Paul Street evangelization, and um, it's it's good. It's good for me to not know everything. <laughs> because I like to be in control, you know, and when you go out to the farmer's market, you just really don't, 
it's in God's hands. The Holy Spirit's in control. You have to just know that. I love that. That is so true. It is in God's hands and right. you don't know who God's going to lead to lead you to or lead to you at the market. So it's good to have, you know, you get the engineering guy for to talk to someone that at that level and you have, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to have so many different things, different backgrounds and different sure. levels. Yeah. So um, during the pandemic, what what you guys do? Well, I mean, you're still doing, I should say. You know, they, of course, they shut down any vendor uh, participation in the farmer's market. We're considered a vendor with the exception of the farmers who are selling their produce. And uh, so I was like, wow, now what are we going to do? You know, because even at the church, we can't have any gatherings whatsoever. We're, you know, all that was shut down. So even the seeker small groups, um, we haven't been able to do anything since March. So um, I was very interested in the calling for prayers. And so I participated in that webinar. And I knew that I wanted to reach out to people at the cathedral to see what they might need. But it seemed too big for me to just get a list of everybody's phone numbers and just start making calls. But I was ready to do that. But after the calling for prayers webinar, I said, this is what we can do. You know, this is what our evangelization ministry can do. So I shared, um, I shared the information with Father Bill. He immediately responded affirmatively, said, yes, I love this. Let's do it. So he and I put together a list of everybody that we would need to help us make 800 phone calls. So it wasn't going to be overwhelming for any one or two people. And of course, all the evangelists were on that list. And the majority of the evangelists helped make the phone calls to the parishioners. Um, we've made about 500 phone calls and prayed with about 500 parishioners. Wow. About 300 calls that are still outstanding that are being made. And um, it's been great. You know, people have been very appreciative of Father Bill's reaching out to them to make sure they're okay. You know, this is not just something, it comes from his heart that he wanted this to happen that way. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that the webinar helped. And we had so many people come and watch that webinar. I mean, it's coming up again in another couple of weeks. I'm not sure the exact date. I'll figure that out before we get done here. But um, that's that's a lot of calls. Now, Father Bill, as your pastor, um, he has a love for the rosary. And I, there's another campaign you guys are doing. Can you tell yeah. us about that? Pray the Rosary Yard campaign. Um, I, I got to thinking, okay, with all these social distancing directives, what can we do? What can we do to still evangelize without um, reaching out to people? I mean, we just couldn't do that. Or easily, we couldn't do that. And so I had, I had thought about, I had been researching what had happened in, in other periods of history when pandemics hit or the, um, I, I read the book, uh, A Song for Nagasaki. Hmm. And I had read that these Jesuit missionaries in praying the rosary were, were protected from any of the 
uh, fallout from the bomb. So this and- is for people that don't know the story in during when the bombs were, were dropped in Japan, a group of Jesuits were praying the rosary and they didn't they weren't affected by the bomb. Everybody else was, but not that. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. And so I thought, why? At least I didn't see anything. I, I, I know that there were like campaigns to pray to different saints and, of course, to our Lord and to our Lady to end the pandemic. But I thought, what about people that aren't Catholic? You know, maybe they don't know that there are these things online they can access. You know, I'm sure they're feeling maybe a need for something spiritual now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought, well, you know, it's a little simple, but maybe a yard sign with saying pray the rosary might be something that we can uh, promote. And so my friend, I, I told her, I go, I really think we should put something on there that might appeal to our, our brothers and sisters who are not Catholic about the rosary being uh, very gospel centered. And so I loved that quote that uh, St. Paul Street Evangelization put in the rosary pamphlet from John Paul about how we, it's on the, the bullet. On the, let's, show the, let's show the picture of the uh, rosary board again, uh, Dan, if you have it. There we go. Thank you. So yeah. this is. So that came from your brochure together with Mary, the first Christian, we shall con- contemplate the beauty on the face of Christ. And um, I love her promises. You know, if you pray the rosary. And I picked one of those. I promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all those who shall recite the rosary. And I thought, you know, who could object with that? And that's what I felt that the Holy Spirit wanted us to uh, put on that sign. And, And, you know, we have had people stop in front of our yard and take pictures of, of the yard sign. I saw somebody drive into my driveway the other day and just stop and they were looking at the yard sign. I got a text message from somebody I don't know that had taken a picture of the sign in front of somebody's yard and said, just thought you might want to see this. Um, You know, a priest that is in our diocese about 50 miles north of Las Cruces works in a, a very rural farming community. He saw the sign when he came to pick up uh, his oils from the chrism mass and said, I want to take that to hatch. I want to do what you're doing. And so he and I talked, I said, you know, Father, the next time I I print some signs up, I'm going to do one side in Spanish, but I didn't think about it. Oh. uh, My office manager at the cathedral went ahead and made that translation for him and sent him the signs online with one side uh, translated in Spanish for him. So you have this sign um, on different people's people are putting them right in their yard. Some of them I did. I did get, I did get one sign returned because the um, neighborhood association does not allow anything unless it's a for sale sign for rent sign, or it can be a political sign. So (laughs) brother and I were, were talking about that last night. He said, well, just vote for Mary. Um, so what I do thought, you think of these signs? Pardon? 
I was just asking Bob what he th thinks of this rosary campaign. I was just going to say, Mary's got my vote. <laughs> yeah, I can see your flag. We'll put one behind her next time. Yeah, I have a political sign and a religious icon. So, yeah, I'm all about it. I'm all about the politics and I'm all about Jesus and Mary. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I love this. I love the image, too. Thank you, Dan, uh, for popping that up there. Um, so you ha you do it. You're doing the market w during the uh, during normal times. Now you have the calling for prayers and your rosary campaign for during the pandemic. Sounds like you guys are doing great in Las Cruz. Yeah, seeker small groups when we get back going. But you know who knows how long this is going on. So I'm open to doing something uh, more like what we're doing right now. And, uh, but trying to figure out how to do that so that it's effective. Um, yeah, now you so when you were first starting your seeker small groups, you, you told me about your first um, night that you planned. Um, right. You want to share that story and how, how it turned out? Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. So we have an equivalent of a St. Paul, St. Paul de Vincent ministry at our parish, but it's called the Mother Teresa ministry. And Father Bill wanted us to prioritize offering a seeker small group to the people that come for services in that ministry. So we got the word out to them. We were hosting our meetings on Thursday nights or Wednesday nights, whatever day they come. And, um, you know, we set out the table. I followed all your, your suggested guidelines on really making it nice, be hospitable. We got flowers. We had tablecloths on the table so that it didn't just look like a conference room. Um, we had nice snacks, nice drinks. Nobody showed up. And, but I went prepared because I thought, we might not have anybody show up. So I took my Magnificat and um, Lydia, the, the woman that is part of our evangelization team was there. And, and we were a little, of course, we were a little disappointed. But I said, you know what? We're not just gonna sit here. This is not gonna go to waste. We're gonna do our evening prayers together. Let's pray rosary. We'll watch something inspiring, you know, short video, but um, you know, God knows he knew this was going to happen and we're just going to pray together. So we did that. That happened the second week in a row. Nobody showed up. And I talked to father Bill and I said, I think we may need to do some adjustments because most of the people that come for our services on Wednesdays don't have vehicles. And they're getting here by public transportation during the day because our bus system doesn't work, run at night. Um, and it's easier to walk during the day here and there, but not at night when it's dark probably. And I said, what do you think if we change the time of our secret small groups to noon time, the same day they're already there at the cathedral, you know, receiving services and we'll have lunch for them. So that was it. We, we had at least two people for every secret small group we did, mm -hmm. if not more, 
for the six weeks that we, we did that because father did modify the seeker small groups um, with you all's permission, you know, to oh, what yes, he, of course, to what he thought would work for the people that we wanted to serve. And, um, you know, and, and then there's always people say, well, it's because you're giving them a sandwich. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it takes, you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> And offering lunch was a way to kind of make everybody comfortable. We would eat, we would talk, uh, ask them about their families, uh, what drew them to come back for lunch. Um, Yeah, it was quite, they were quite beautiful. But, you know, it was very, it was a growing experience for me because you just don't know what people are going to share. And we had some very, very beautiful experiences with people that came from the most diverse backgrounds I've ever heard. One man from New York who wasn't even Catholic, but was schooled by nuns uh, first through eighth grade. And a woman who had been sent to a, uh, like a girls reformatory in a convent outside of Las Cruces. And so they just were able to share their experiences, which were very positive for both of them about the sisters that uh, worked with them in their younger years. So yeah, it was just beautiful, good experiences. The Seeker Small Groups give you a chance of a format to develop relationships with the people that you evangelize, that you speak with. You can have a two minute conversation on the street and, uh, you know, Bob knows this too. You have this conversation and off they go. And it's like, well, what if we want to keep them around? What can we do? And that's just an offering of a place. Come on Wednesdays. We're going to have sandwiches. Just come by and we're just going to sit and chat. And then we give the team leader a curriculum if they want to use it. Um, but it's mostly just to kind of keep, to build that, build that community. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Beth, for always uh, stressing that with me, because I know that you knew that I was kind of struggling with, should we stick to a plan? (laughs) And once you gave me permission to build the relationships and just let it flow organically, naturally, um, I think they were more effective. And just, you know, you could tell that the people just felt comfortable with that. Yeah, because if you want to continue a relationship, you don't want to say, this is great. Come back in September when we start our CIA. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 Terrible if you evangelize somebody in October. That's great. I'll see you in 11 months. (laughs) No, no, that's great. It just fits into our model. Listen, befriend, proclaim, invite. You take the time to get to know people, listen to them, let them talk, let them tell their story. And then at the end, hey come on to our church. And it's so great to have a pastor there who's so, so on board and, and so, you know, willing to stick his neck out there and just be so welcoming. Yeah, no, hospitality means everything to me. And, um, you know, I was watching another webinar with Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents because we use his baptism program at the cathedral. And, um, you know, he was talking about how people, there's, talented people, gifted people in every parish. But when you're working with like a baptism 
prep program or even St. Paul Street Evangelization Secret Small Groups, it's good and important to invite people that have room in their life for relationships. You know, it's not just coming for six weeks to secret small groups and, and then disappearing until the next secret small group session. Um, it takes developing relationships with the people that are coming. That's a great point. It's a great point. You can't just be, you know, we, we always stress you can change a life with a two minute conversation, but it's so much better if you can take the time and walk with them. Yeah. So that's right. all. Sounds like uh, your team is very well-rounded to be able to do, play the different roles uh, um, that are necessary. Yeah, they're great people for sure. Well, you know, it takes a good leader to kind of organize everybody. And that, that's a great skill for a leader to have. I've learned a lot in organizing over the years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So don't think you have to have all these skills accrued before you get started. These doing it is the best teacher. That's what I found as an evangelist. I'm like, I just felt compelled to get out there. And I was, I thought I was going to be an apologist, but that's not how we do it. So if you think, oh man, I'm not a good evangelist. I'm not a good team leader. Learning. I mean, the best way to learn is to do it. That's, that's what I found. And I'm sure you've, you found the you same just, thing. Just have to get out there, you know, and it, it might be a little uncomfortable, but um, it's like you said, you know, practice. What is that? Uh, the mother of skill is repetition, you know, and you just keep doing it and keep talking to people. Yeah. Well, have you ever been confirmed by the Lord in the conversations that you had? That's like, yes, you're in the right place. Um, as far as evangelization goes, yeah, as like, as you have a conversation, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be here for this. You know, the most recent thing that I, I can remember is when um, the bishop suspended the masses and then our offices were semi-staffed and, um, you know, really my work at the cathedral is with people. And so everything I do at the cathedral um, was in a gathering with people. And so coming home and not really having anything to do because I think Father Bill and the Bishop were still trying to figure it out themselves, you know, what they could have employees do from home, what they could do at the church. I, um, I think I shared with you, I felt a little displaced and thinking, wow, now what am I going to do? Should I look for another mm -hmm. job? You know, am I going to come back to work here? And when I'm thinking that I, I thought, okay, just pray. God knows where he wants you. Just wait, be patient. I get a phone call that afternoon from a nurse at one of the hospitals that I had. I didn't know who she was. And she is now in a position, she's a Catholic, to be like a minister, a communion minister, what a communion minister would do to come in and pray with people because communion ministers were not being, they're still not being allowed in the hospitals. And she didn't know who to turn to for rosaries. She needed rosaries. Um, and somebody gave her my number, you know, so I called her back. And so I met her at the hospital that afternoon. She came outside and met us in the driveway. And I said, I've got rosaries. I've got miraculous medals. I have how to pray the rosary. I don't know exactly what she goes. I'll take it all. Just give <laughs> And to me, that was like a thumbs up that God was saying, I'm going to use you, but it might be in a different way. <laughs> you know? 
That's beautiful. There's a theme that I've heard you say throughout this little talk is about God's timing, trusting in God, knowing that God's in charge. And a second theme I'm hearing from you that's coming from your heart is just the zeal for souls. I, to spread the gospel, to reach out to those, to build relationships. Those two, those two work in conjunction. And I think that's one of the reasons you're so successful. Well, I just thank Jesus for, I mean, I'm just grateful. You know, even this time at home has been, uh, my husband and I were sharing, wow, the time has gone by really fast. We don't even know what we did last week. We've been uh, working, you know, one of our jobs, I have to let you know, one of our jobs on Saturday afternoons is setting up the tents that we were using at the farmer's market for the bishop and Father Bill to hear confessions outside so they don't get overheated. <laughs> and uh, so that's been really, you know, it's been good. It's evangelization in a different way, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, um, and uh, I'm glad again. Um, for everyone that joined us, thank you so much. Go to streetevangelization.com to find out anything that we're doing, and we could always use some a donation from you, as in these times, it's always difficult. You can always click Donate. You can find the book that Martha mentioned. You can find the webinars that she mentioned, the Seeker Small Groups. It's all out there. Click Get Involved, and uh, we can help you get your own team started, too. Uh, anything else, Bob? Any parting words? Uh, let's see. I just want to praise God for this time. It's, you know, it's a tragic time, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity for, for me to grow closer to the Lord. I can pray more, and I just want to, to thank God for the good thing that came out of this, and I hope he brings about many conversions. Yes. All right. God bless everybody. Bye-bye.